That's awesome. Aren't these guys good? Yeah. I think we could listen to you uh, probably a little bit longer and me a little bit less. Well, okay. Okay. I knew I wouldn't get, a, I knew I wouldn't get any argument from most people. <laughs> anyway, I want to speak this morning and probably the next couple of weeks on a topic that we're all very familiar with, but it's not a very fun topic to talk about because this is the kind of a topic that will that we can, be, we can get bound up in pretty easily. In fact, maybe that's some of the problems that we have in our life today is because of this particular topic. Because this is one that we all honestly struggle with. Probably all of us do. And uh, it is one that we can't avoid, by the way. You will not be able to avoid this in your life. It's called the topic of offense. Being offended and are causing offense. And so I think there's a few weeks probably coming because this is a really important topic that we talk about because it comes in all areas of our life. It's how people affect people. It's how people affect businesses. It's how people affect families. It's how people affect churches. It's how people affect themselves and how we handle this thing called offense. We're going to be asking a lot of questions about what it means to be offended, and we're going to talk about how we properly handle being offended, then also being the one that causes the offense. And like I said, I think this will be a very interesting study because we're all pretty familiar with it. It's not fun but it's important that we talk about it and it's important that we confront this head-on and that we learn how to deal with offense and we have a proper understanding of it so that it doesn't become our downfall. We'll find that this is one of Satan's major tools against us. This is one of his major tools in his arsenal of weapons to defeat Christian people because the spirit of offense can appear anywhere at any time, in any situation. 
It's in homes, businesses, relationships, and churches. In fact, it's probably very, very rampant and evident in churches between Christian brothers and sisters. What better tool can the enemy use other than a lasting and drawn-out offense between two people? It doesn't matter what you profess. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are or how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter. The opportunity to be offended will offer itself and the choice will be given to everyone what to do with it. What are you going to do with that offer to be offended? The choice given is not whether or not it's going to come, but the choice given to us is how are we going to handle it. And that will make the difference in your life. How you handle the offense will make the difference in your life personally for eternity. Let me just tell you this. This is that important of a topic. And we're going to discover that one of the reasons that offense is so powerful and widely used by the enemy is that it's often disguised. It's often ignored. It's often undercover in the lives of people because they don't want to see it for what it is. See, an offended person that is offended for such a long period of time, they get comfortable with it. They get used to it. And they don't know how to break it. They become deceived into thinking that this feeling of offense is normal and that everybody has it. And in fact, this, is a, this unhealthy lifestyle becomes their lifestyle of being offended and then going into other forms of offense on a regular basis. The trap has been baited. The trap has been set. And the person is so deep into it that they don't know how to get out of it. And we're going to talk this morning and the next few weeks about what is this trap of offense. And the question for all of us this morning is, do we want to be free of it? Do, you re do we really want to be free of this offense? Or are we, get, are we comfortable in it because we feel justified in it somehow, some way? Are you tired of these negative feelings? Do you want to have God's breakthrough? Do you want to be freed from this spirit of offense or are we comfortable in our misery of it? Because, you know, an offended person is a miserable person. And a person that lives in offense, in, deep down inside, they're miserable. They're not happy. They're not joyful. They're miserable. There's no lasting peace. There's no joy. There's no happiness in the life of a continually offended person. What are some of the questions we'll be dealing with over the next few weeks, including today? We're going to talk about what Scripture has to say about offense. Is it possible to never be offended? What, per, what should a person do when they're offended? What does a person do when offense comes? Was Jesus ever offensive? Think about that. Did Jesus ever cause an offense? Was Jesus ever offended? Is the message of the Bible offensive? We're going to talk about this a little bit. I'm using some material for this day, so you'll know, from a book called The Bait of Satan, written by John Brevere. I would encourage you all to go buy the book, The Bait of Satan, 
by John Bevere. It's a really good book, and it will really help you deal with some things in your life that maybe you're struggling with. Let's start out by recognizing the fact that no one goes through life with the goal of being offended. It's not my intention to be offended. I didn't wake up this morning to say, who can I offend and how can someone offend me? I did, that's not my goal. But yet somehow it happens. Even though I don't make it the goal of my life, somehow I'm either offended or I am an offense. It just happens. So if it's not the goal, why is it so often accomplished? Why does it so often happen if it's not my intent? If it's not my intent to be offended, why am I so offended? And why am I so offensive? First of all, what does it mean to be offended? Do we know that? What does it mean to be offended? Let's talk about what does it mean to be offended. The dictionary defines offend as a verb, as in this way, to cause somebody anger, resentment, or hurt. Another dictionary says it to irritate, annoy, or anger, to cause resentful displeasure. Basically, an offense is the cause of many ills and many sins and many problems and many hurt feelings that are leading people away from the truth of God's word. That's a true offense, leading you away from the truth of God's word. And it's very possible that it can be potentially destructive in your life. And here's the scary thing about it. It comes in many forms. In fact, it's impossible to put bounds on how it looks because it can happen, it can change every day. Depending on the situation I'm in or the people I'm around, the form of, of offense takes on many forms and I can't, therefore I can't give you a, a formula. There is no formula even in the Bible to predict an offense or to tell you how to avoid a particular one because they come in so many different variations and forms. So therefore, I think that we can all understand the, the issue and the danger of what it means to be offended and how do we deal with this. The Greek word that is often used to describe an offense is skandalon. Skandalon. S-K-A-N-D-A-L-O-N. And it describes the movable stick or the trigger of a trap. A trap stick. It's a snare. It's an, any impediment, in, in, in impediment placed in the way causing one to stumble or fall. A rock, which is a cause of stumbling. It's interesting to note that the root, the root word, the, re, the root Greek word for offend comes from the word that means to set a trap. To set a trap. And it's used in the context of trapping wild animals. Let's, I want to read something out of John Bevere's book. It says, anyone who has trapped animals knows that a trap needs one of two things to be successful. It must be hidden in the hope that an animal will stumble upon it, and or it must be baited to lure the animal into the trap's deadly jaws. He then says this about Satan's strategy for us. Satan, the enemy of our souls, incorporates both of these strategies as he lays out his most deceptive and deadly traps. They are both hidden and baited. In case you don't know it, Satan has a plan to destroy you. It's in case you don't know that, he's got a very detailed, a very thought-out plan on how he can destroy you. And you know where, how he works his plans mostly? Through people. 
through people. He will come through people to use people to destroy you. People that fall into the trap of being offended and those causing offense unknowingly, and these are even Christian people, can be Satan's best tool to accomplish his plan in somebody else's life or even your life for that matter. So what does it look like? I'm praying that we can uncover some of these strategies of Satan and that we can see ourselves in the world of offense and being offended and that we can then see how Satan's strategy, by seeing Satan's strategy, we can learn how to deal with ways that we can overcome it. That's why we uncover it. That's why we talk about it. We don't talk about Satan ever to glorify him, just so you know that. We never give him credit. We just know what our enemy, we need to know what he's up to. Like any good coach will study the offense or the defense of his opposing team so that he knows how to defeat the team. That's what we're doing here. We're just uncovering the strategies of Satan. We're going to find and we can see that the result of long-term offense in people produces much damaging fruit. And this is the kind of offense where um, this, this offense is, is just hung on to in the person's life. They just can't quite get over it. And it becomes rooted in their heart. It becomes rooted in their life. And, and this bad fruit or damaging fruit, such as things like hurt and anger and outrage and jealousy, resentment, strife, bitterness, hatred, envy, you know what they feel like. You know what they are. And the consequences of this bad fruit causes the offended person to respond in further hurt and insults and attacks and divisions and separations and all kinds of broken relationships. Basically, this is an ugly thing, an ugly trap the enemy sets, and it's very destructive. You've often heard it said, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people are very good at hurting other people because that's what they know. That's how they're comfortable they're hurt, therefore they hurt other people. And the devil sets the traps for many people so that he can continue to hurt them and destroy them and to destroy relationships and hinder them until he finally can destroy them. The question and a challenge for us all then is this. If we know that the devil uses this very destructive strategy to cause such hurt and pain, then why do we often fall into the trap of offense as often as we do? If we know what it is, why do we allow ourselves to wallow in it? If we know that it's coming, why do we allow ourselves to be caught like we're unaware? To answer this, we need to look and talk about some things in Scripture. First of all, can we avoid being offended in life? Can we avoid it? Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verse 1, in the New King James Version it says, then he, who is he? Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Also, Matthew chapter 18, verse 7. Matthew 18, verse 7. Also in the New King James Version. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes. So Jesus is saying, you're going to be offended. You're going to be offended. But woe to that person who causes the offense. But you are going to be offended. 
He made it very clear that offenses are going to come into the lives of the people that would give opportunity for people to sin and fall. So you will be offended. Can I just tell you right now? You're going to be offended. It's going to come. Count on it. But the offense that comes is not the thing that causes the person to sin. Just because you're offended gives you no reason to sin in the offense. The only way a trap is effective is when the unwary prey walk into it and get trapped by it. You've got to think, if the animal knew the trap was there, would he step in it? If the coyote or the beaver or whatever that trap is trapping, if he knew the trap was there, would he step in it? No, he wouldn't. So why do we? <laughs> why do we as people know the trap's there, but yet we're willingly and constantly stepping into the trap of offense? So let's talk a little bit more about it. Let's keep digging into this. The offense that one feels, the offense that you feel, or the feelings that you have when you're offended, that's not the sin. It's not what one feels when you're offended. It's what one does with it that causes the sin. You're going to be offended. You're going to feel this way. Now, it's not wrong to try to avoid being offended. It's not wrong to try to avoid offense wherever we can. But we can't struggle or we can't spend so much time trying to avoid the offense that we waste all our time trying to avoid defenses because if I'm doing that, I'm going to just get myself tied up into all other kinds of things that will be worse than the offense. So we, what we really need to do is spend our time and our energy learning how to deal with the offenses when they do come and then don't let them take a foothold in my life and then don't let them grow into a root of bitterness that causes the bad fruit we've already discussed. So rather than trying to run away from the offense, know it's coming, and now just learn to deal with it. Spend your time and energy dealing with it when it does come so that it doesn't overreact and it doesn't grow into a bad fruit that we've talked about. So how do we react to, how do we react to being offended? How do we react to it? Well, first of all, because that most Christians, or we're talking about today, we recognize that offense is a trap of the enemy, many Christians will deny the fact that you're even offended. We'll deny the fact that we're offended. Denial of a, of a feeling or denial of a sickness or denial of a situation doesn't make the feeling or the situation go away. Recognize that. Denying, just the fact that I can deny that I'm sick doesn't mean my cold's going away. Denying that I feel something doesn't mean it's going to go away just because I can deny it. In fact, this is actually a great strategy of the devil called deception. If the devil can deceive you into the fact that you're going to deny your offense, then you'll never get over the offense because you don't accept the fact that you are offended. It's important to deal with it up front so we don't become a, so we don't let the tool of the enemy um, come in deception of our denial or deni deception of our offensiveness or what our, our offended nature, but that we are aware of the fact that I'm offended and that now I know how to deal with it and I want to deal with it properly so that I can defeat the devil, not let him continue to cover me in deception. What causes this? If, if I'm denying that I'm offended, why? Why would I? What causes the, the denial of offense? Well, one major aspect of it is pride. Pride. The deceitful aspect of pride in a person is one that says, I may be hurt, but I'm not offended. I may be hurt, but I'm not offended. Pride distorts. 
a person's vision and ability to see what really needs to be done to be set free. Pride is a way of distorting the truth. It keeps me from seeing and dealing with the truth. Therefore, the problem continues to grow bigger and bigger under the cover of pride. A person can never change anything unless he realizes that he needs to be changed. A person can never change the problem unless he recognizes first there, that there is a problem. And pride hardens the heart and dims the eye of our understanding and it keeps us from repenting the one thing that can set us free. And so this is a great way for the devil and the enemy to keep a person offended without them ever realizing it because their pride keeps them from admitting the fact that I've been offended. You know, it's okay to admit the fact that you're offended. It's okay to admit that. It's not going to make you a less Christian it's not going to make you a, a less spiritual person for you to admit the fact that you're offended. If you want to remain unoffended, the best way to remain unoffended is to admit, first of all, that you are offended and then deal with it properly. Deal with it. Remember, the enemy will use an offense or any part of it as a trap. He doesn't really care what part of your life he traps. He doesn't care if he, if he traps your right leg or your pine leg or, your, if, or if that trap breaks your neck like a mouse trap. He doesn't care. As long as you're trapped, as long as he can hold you in a spot where he can work on you later, that's all he cares about. He doesn't care if it kills you immediately or if it just lingers and lingers and lingers and he can come back and work on you as his, at his will because that's exactly what captivity does. Paul instructs Timothy how to live a life that is above the trap of offense, but it requires determination and a resolve of the person to avoid some things and to always remain teachable so that we can be corrected as necessary and that we can be able to see the truth of God's word and then apply it in our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 and 20 through 26. Paul says this to Timothy, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. The enemy would keep us trapped in our own pride, denying the fact that I'm offended, if he can use that to destroy me. See, I have to deal with this. I have to deal with this offense head on. I have to make sure that I know that I know I'm offended, and now I have the responsibility to deal with it. Ignoring it doesn't make it go away. Ignoring the offense will never make it go away. In fact, what it does, it slams the trap door shut tighter on my heart because it grips me, and I'm, and I'm in bondage by it. That's why, that's one of those chains, maybe, that we had to break today. Pride can also cause oneself to be the victim, and our attitude in this way becomes, I was mistreated and misjudged by the person, therefore I have the right, and I'm justified in my behavior. Pride says I'm the victim, because I've been innocently and falsely accused I can hold back forgiveness. Wow. Held back forgiveness is very damaging, and if it's unchecked, 
for long, that right, alone, that right there can destroy relationships with people and it can destroy your relationship with God. If I can't forgive my brother, then God can't forgive me. Held back forgiveness is very damaging because it grows into a root of bitterness and bitterness then destroys people. Let's turn a corner a bit here and talk about how, how widespread offense is and what Scripture has to say about it as we get closer to the return of Christ. I think we're all agreeing, agreeing here that we are getting closer to that day, right? I don't know if it's tomorrow. I don't know if it's five years from now or ten years from now. I don't know if I'll live my life out naturally or not. I don't know that, but I can tell you I'm closer today than I was yesterday. So a massive offense is coming. Jesus talks about it in Matthew, about what the condition of the world will be in the end times before he returns. And it's no surprise that offense will be rampant as the enemy is working as hard as he can to destroy people, even in the churches. In fact, especially in the churches. Matthew 24, verses 10 through 13, again in a New King James Version, it says this, Matthew chapter 24, verses 10 through 13. And then many will be offended. Remember, talking about the end days. Jesus is talking. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. In the NIV version, verse 10 says this, And at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will, and will betray and hate each other. So offense will cause many to turn away from the faith. Offense is not just a simple, I'm offended. No, offense will cause many to turn away from the faith. Many will turn away from the faith because of the false prophets and comes through this offense. Who are the ones that are being offended here? Are they, is he talking about people in the church or people in the world? Yeah, people in the church. Go back and look at verse 11 and 12. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. For something to grow cold means that it must have been at one time hot. There's a process. Therefore, the love of many, not just a few, will change from a hot condition to a cold condition, and the end result will be a mass offense and a mass falling away. And what do you see happening around us today? What's happening in the world right now? Is there not a mass offense happening in the world already? And are there not many falling away, apparently, from the Word of God today? But thank God, verse 13 does say that there's some hope here. But for he who endures to the end, he shall be saved. So there is hope. There, this is not a, a hopeless situation. In the midst of great turmoil, God still is present and he's still willing to help those that choose to remain free or be set free from the bondage of offense. So what causes such great offense to occur? Well, why am I offended so greatly? Like anything else in life, it seems that the more one seeks to gain, the more of a risk that one must take. The risk of being greatly offended is in those that has great expectations. 
The higher my, expe my expectations of a person or a situation, the greater risk of being offended greatly. If I have no expectations of a person or a situation, then I have little opportunity to be offended by that person or situation. Conversely, the greater expectations that I do have of a person or that situation, the more opportunity that I have to be greatly offended by that same person. So it appears that most opportunity is to become offended is, or is by those that are closest to us, and thus we have the most expectations of. So what's the answer? Do we, should we have less expectations so there's less risk of events, offense? Or should we recognize that the offense will come and be prepared to deal with it when it comes? See, I think we can take a couple different approaches here. We can, we can have an approach that builds walls. I can be afraid of people. And I can be afraid of those that are closest to me that are going to hurt me and I'm going to be offended so that I can basically check out of relationship with them. If I'm going to avoid great offense because great expectations because of people that I'm close to, I can either not get involved with them anymore. I can think of that, it's, that, that it's better to just be a pew sitter. I can just come in and go out. I don't have to get involved. I, I don't have to set myself up for any expectations. Therefore, I cannot be offended if I have no expectations. So therefore, I'm just going to come in and go out unnoticed. Well, that, that might work for a bit. You might get away with it. It may, it may seem safe for a while, but, but these walls of protection, just so you know, those walls of protection that you put up to protect yourself, they soon become walls of imprisonment. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19 says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. See, the same walls that I build to protect myself from being potentially hurt again by someone else, ultimately, those walls are to keep people out of my life. But as I build those walls higher and higher, ultimately what it does is that it, it isolates me. And it makes me an isolated person. And an isolated person is a miserable person in the long run. We're people, people. God created us to be people, people. We're not islands on our own, never intended to be islands on our own. We are intended to have relationships with other godly people. And when I put walls up to protect myself, it might appear to be safe for a while. I may be able to avoid some things for a while, but eventually those walls are going to get so high, they're going to get so big, that they're going to imprison me in my own trap of protection. You don't think the devil can use that? You don't think that he can use that against you? These same walls that were used to protect me from people so that I can't, I won't allow them to get close enough to me anymore to potentially hurt me again, they will ultimately keep people out and then I will become a miserable person in the long run. Think of it this way. If that happens in a church situation, for example, where will the people that have built these massive walls, where will they turn to in times of real need? Who are their true friends and who are their true allies when they really need someone? For those holding on to offenses in the church, for example, it's sad that the church and those in the church are often the ones that are neglected until a crisis occurs 
And then how awkward those lingering offenses become in times of real need. There's going to, be, there's going to come a time where you're going to need people, folks. You can't live alone. And if you've been harboring offense, if you've been harboring, if you've been holding back forgiveness for people, and when it comes time for a major travesty in your life, you need the church, you need people to come to your aid, and you've been building walls up to keep them out for so long, when you need them, how, are you going to, how is it going to look? How awkward is it going to be? Isn't it better just to deal with the offense head on and say, you know, you offended me, or I'm offended, or whatever, and let's deal with this and get it over with. So now when there is a problem and I do need their help, that it's not awkward. Life gets real lonely really fast when barriers are built so high, thinking that solitude protects from future offense. When in reality, the walls will act like a prison in the end. So we spent some time today defining what an offense looks like and how damaging it can be to hold on to offenses. We've identified the fact that it's impossible in this world not to be offended at some points and sometimes in our life. We're going to be offended. We know that. And we've also discussed that it's not the fact that one is offended that is a sin. Rather, it's how I handle the offense determines the outcome and my ultimate ending point. So I want to wrap this up a little bit here today for what we're going to get done today. Jackie, in fact, you can come. I want to just wrap this up by spending a short time talking about now how do we deal with these offenses when they do come so that they don't, we don't allow them to infect us with bitterness and hatred. How, how do we handle these things? First, step one, first, we need to acknowledge the fact that we're offended. Recognizing the problem is the key step. If I don't recognize that I'm offended, I can't be helped. Second, we need to recognize that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, that the real source of the problem is not people. They're used by the devil, but they're not the real source of the problem. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 12, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts in the heaven, uh, wickedness in the heavenly places. The devil uses people to do his dirty work. Recognize that. Know that. Understand, though, that though they may be used, they're not the source of the problem. I don't take my effort out. I don't take my anger out at the people. Rather, I put on the armor of God and I recognize that I need his strength because, you know, these can get really hard if I don't do it. Third, the, second, the third thing I need to do is by recognizing the enemy's involvement, we need to understand that God uses people to bring the best out in us as well as sometimes the worst. And these can come through hard times. He can bring the best out in us through the hard times that the enemy would bring to destroy us. God will use it for our good. Romans chapter 8, 28. And we know that in all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And God uses the difficult things in life to refine us. The difficult things, maybe through offense, God can use to refine us if we will allow him to do that. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, 
which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though through fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We're going to go into communion this morning. And as we do that, we need to recognize that we have some responsibility to deal with our offenses. The destructive progression of an offended person starts at an offense which leads to betrayal, and betrayal leads to hatred, and hatred leads to eternal death. So when we betray people, we are seeking our own protection at the expense of someone else. That's basically what betrayal is. The sad part is that this happens mostly among people who are in relationship. Most of the time, friends betray friends. Family betrays family. Christian brothers and sisters betray Christian brothers and sisters. And that brings the hardest and most damaging offense. The closer the relationship, the more severe the betrayal and the more opportunity for an irreparable relationship. And I say irreparable purposely because if it's in my power, it's irreparable. There are some things that it might happen to me and you that in my ability, it may not be in my power to forgive. It may not be in my power to get over that. But that's where the blood of the cross comes. That's where the forgiveness of Jesus comes. Because I need his power to help me to forgive people. What greater example do we have than Jesus hanging on the cross and they're, and they're nailing the spikes in his feet and Jesus looks down and he says, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How many times have I been offended by a person that didn't know what they were doing? How many times have I offended people unknowingly? I need to forgive. And if I can't forgive, I can't be forgiven. There are some things that are just not fixable in my own strength. Therefore, I must depend on the cross. So this morning, as we come to communion this morning, what better way, if you have an offensive offense in your life that you're just, that's lingering, you just can't get rid of, what better way than to bring it to the cross at communion? See, communion means fellowship. Fellowship with God and fellowship with his children. If you're harboring an offense today in your heart, take this time to bring it before the Lord and ask him what you're to do with it. Ask him what you're to do with it. Then put to action what the Lord lays in your heart to do. If he says, go to your brother, go to your brother. If he says, go to your sister, go to your sister. Whatever he's asking you to do, then put it into action. And then you can come to the communion table free to celebrate the goodness of who God is and the goodness of his relationship and how he can build us into pure relationships one more time, unhindered. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, this area of offense is so rampant in the church, in my life, in the lives of people here. Lord, we are not denying the fact that I've been offended. I cannot deny that any longer. 
So therefore, devil, when you try to bring me some type of a hard word against that, I'm just going to tell you, stop it. Because I have been offended, and therefore I'm going to deal with it. And I'm going to bring it out into the open, and I'm going to ask the, the blood of Christ to cover it, and I'm going to ask it, him to remove it from me so that I can then have unhindered relationships with God's people again. Because I don't have to deal with this in denial. That's called deception. And devil, you have no authority on, on us any longer with deception. We are not allowing the trap of offense to trap us and hold us bondage any longer. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As we normally do, we invite you to come up to the front and have communion with us at the front. And we like to do that because it's kind of an act of family. And we want to be that way again today. You do not have to be a member of our church. All you need to do to have communion with us is to have Jesus Christ in your heart and have a relationship with him. Be forgiven. And that's a good thing. So this morning, would you just join us? And uh, let's celebrate our Lord's table this morning in Jesus' name. Jackie, would you sing as we're coming, please? This morning as we prepare for communion and we normally read the account in Corinthians about what communion's about but I want to read this part this area instead because communion is really an act of us it's an act of you and I purposely to acknowledge who Christ is in our life we're I mean, not perfect nobody says you're perfect but you're forgiven right and this is how we do it 2 Corinthians chapter 10 it says that for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You see how the devil will use things, offenses and things of that nature, to take us captive? The way we beat that is at his own game. 
We take captive the thoughts of offenses. I don't need to let that offensive thought stay in my life. I take it captive, and by taking it captive, I can destroy the strongholds of the devil that the devil would use to destroy me. I take those thoughts captive, and I use them back on him and say, no more, no more. Or am I going to be held captive by this offense? And when I have that, when I do that, I'm free. Free to do this, to take the blood of Christ and the cracker and the, the body of Christ and just celebrate communion. Now this morning, if you have an offense with a brother and sister, it's very important that you go to them. It's very important, first of all, right now, in your mind, that you release him or her. You release them. and say, Jesus, I release them. I forgive them. I do not hold them any accountable to this anymore. I'm not saying what they did was right or wrong. I'm not saying that. I just release them. And then you be faithful to go to that person some point in time and tell them that. We're doing this proactively. Because, in, because probably in Scripture, if you have that problem, you probably should put this cup down and this cracker down and go do that first. So if you're not going to do that, don't take this. Don't take this if you're not going to do that. Because it's that serious. Are we ready? come to you in Jesus name and we forgive people forgive them God we forgive them Jesus for their hurts and for the offenses we release them hold them no longer accountable they do not they have no more bondage on my life because of who you are because this act of freedom this act of forgiveness and because of that father I can hold up this cracker and I can say, thank you for breaking your body for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for accomplishing the impossible for me. And now we partake in Jesus' name. And we celebrate. Would you partake of the cracker with me, please? And the cup, Lord, that we hold, we lift it up to you. Say, thank you for your blood. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for the life that gives. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you drink with me, please? Now, let's just take some time this morning and sing the song that Jackie and the team are playing about forgiven, what it means to be forgiven. And in your mind, in your heart, forgive. And then do what you need to do to go to people this, this morning and this afternoon, sometime soon release them in Jesus' name. Sing the song, Jack. I will sing for you alone have rescued this life. Jesus, you have set me free. You alone took away all sin and disgrace. When you
Washed away. 